Welcome back to another episode of Make and Multiply. This is our Monday episode here and obey. We're back. We're, we are so back. We are so back. You know, I'm just going to go ahead and make this joke. There's a podcast for Tottenham Hotspur fans. And they are like, there any out there? Yes, there are. Oh, I am yeah. one of them. Yes, <laughs> I am too. Not not quite as devoted hardcore as you are, but but I like them. And I've listened to the podcast and I love the line. They say, if you're listening for the first time, where have you been? Where have you been? Where have you been? That's the However, question. this week, I think it's more like, where have we been? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Is it like the last two weeks? It's been a little crazy. Not only have we been in Florida, have we been feasting on Thanksgiving, but we're actually in a new location for the very first time coming at you live, not live, but recorded well, from yeah. a new location. That's true. And it is, that's why it, it sounds a little boomy in here. It does. It Hopefully does it can work that out, but it's all right. We're going to, we're going to work out the Kings. We're, we're not overly professional, but we're trying. We're, we're doing not our even best. Gonna say we're trying. Well, we're just okay. Well, hobbling fair. along. Hob- <laughs> Plotting, I think, is the word we're looking for. That's right. That's right. I'm Ryan Chase, one of the pastors at Emmaus Road Church, joined today by Matt Groon, another pastor at Emmaus Road, and we are at the end of our series in Exodus. Incredible. It's been a little over a year, wow. a year and a few months. It was September of 2022 that we started in Exodus, and we mm-hmm. just wrapped up. Greg preached yesterday, as we record this now, on Monday, uh, in Exodus chapter 40. The, the last few verses, you know, we, we've taken chunks like five and seven chapters at a time and then here we are taking just a few verses at the very end and it it is a inappropriately climactic Mm. ending to an incredible book and i love how greg read that extended quote from philip reichen just his introduction to reichen's commentary on exodus on the epic story that exodus is And, and what a way to recap all the things we've seen the the fire and the smoke and the wind and the plagues and the water, the parting of the Red Sea, the desert, manna from heaven, all of this. And it, it culminates here in God's fulfillment of yeah. his purpose to come and dwell in the midst of his people. Incredible. So let me read these few verses. We can talk through this text. Exodus 40 verses 34 through 38. Then the cloud covered the tent of meeting and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. And Moses was not able to enter the tent of meeting because the cloud settled on it and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Throughout all their journeys, whenever the cloud was taken up from over the tabernacle, the people of Israel would set out. But if the cloud was not taken up, then they did not set out till the day that it was taken up. For the cloud of the Lord was on the tabernacle by day and the fire was in it by night in the sight of all the house of Israel throughout all their journeys. Mm. Lord, thank you for your word. Pray that you would sanctify us by your truth. Your word is truth. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, this does really tie together so many themes. Like any good story in literature, you've got these loose ends that come together in such a satisfying way at the very end. And you think back to where this book began with God's people multiplying fruitfully in the wrong place. You know, you've got echoes of Genesis carrying Mm -hmm. over to the beginning of Exodus. And here God comes and he's going to take these people to be his people. He's going to dwell with them. And I think especially after, you know, we've just spent so much time with the golden calf and the Moses interceding for the people Mm -hmm. and this huge looming question, what's going to happen to the people? Is God's presence going to be with them? And here it is in just a few uh, powerful 
words, this description of the glory of God coming and filling the tabernacle. Mm. Uh, that affects me. Mm-hmm. That's powerful. Um, yeah, the fact that um, I think the way that this book ends with Moses unable to enter. Um, I'll just jump into this point. This was um, Greg's second point when he talked about how God comes to his people mercifully. Yeah. He makes provision for sin. But he talked about this in verse 35, that Moses was not able to enter the tent. Right. There is, in a way, as much as this wraps things up, and yes, it, it answers the question from the golden calf sin, God is still going to dwell with his people. They build the tabernacle. It's complete, like you preached on a week ago. Um, and yet Moses is not able to enter. And when you get to Leviticus 1, if you just start the very next book, that book begins, the Lord called Moses, spoke to him from the tent of meeting, saying, speak to the people of Israel. But there God is speaking from the tent. It doesn't say anything about Moses being in the tent mm. yet. And, and then if you flip to the beginning of the very next book, after Leviticus comes Numbers, Numbers verses 1 and 2, let me turn there. The Lord spoke to Moses in the wilderness of Sinai in the tent of meeting Mm. on the first day of the second month. So these books go together and Leviticus gives the sacrificial system. And so it kind of leaves, okay, God's presence is in the tabernacle, but the book ends with Moses outside, unable to enter. Leviticus gives instruction. Here's how you make sin offerings. Mm -hmm. And then numbers begins. Leviticus worked that they make the sin offerings. And now Moses is entering the tabernacle mm-hmm. for the first time. So I, I think all of that, just the way that God comes mercifully to make provision for sin so that his presence in the center of the camp does not consume people. Mm-hmm. Um, it just points to God's purpose and desire to dwell with us, yeah. but to do it his way. Yeah. You said at the beginning of the book, <clears throat> there is those old covenantal promises of the people are multiplying in the wrong location and with out God's presence. Right. End of the book, we really have the second part of that great promise of I will have a people who I dwell with in a certain place. Yeah. You really have the fulfillment of that second point of God is now dwelling with his people and yet they're in the wrong place, but they're headed in the right place to the yeah. right place. So that I think you know first as we as we close out this book, particularly here at the end, there is a uh, an epilogue feel to this of like mm-hmm. like you said a, a tying up of all loose ends and like any good story, it has just such a satisfying feel. And yet there is still this question of like, okay, what's next? Mm -hmm. And I think one thing that this last point makes and what this would engender to, um, well, it engenders to me and to the the second generation that it was written to would be hope and trust in the promises of God. Because here Mm -hmm. we have fully all that God had promised from the very beginning is, has come true that he really did take them out. He did lead them out with a mighty hand and outstretched arm. He brought them to himself and he has now instructed uh, a way to dwell in their midst. And now he does dwell in their midst. And you're right. The the rest of the Pentateuch will answer other questions like, well, then how can a holy God dwell in the midst of an unholy people? And how how can they now not just have him in their presence, but how can they commune with him? Is going to be the question of, of Leviticus. And in order for that to happen, blood must be shed. And then the book of Numbers shows that, yeah, that worked. And then they're on the move to find that, to go to the promised land. Mm -hmm. So certainly this isn't all of the story. Right. But it just has such a, it just says such a, a satisfying 
end. I just think his, you know, Greg made the main point. The promise of God is fulfilled. The Lord has come home and is present. Mm-hmm. And it really is. That's powerful considering where they were when they began. They were under the boot heel of Pharaoh, suffering, dying, their, their children being massacred, um, being thrown into the Nile. E- even when Moses shows up, you think, oh, here comes our Savior. The work gets worse and harder. And yes. to see where they've come from, even in the midst of their ups and downs, their, their sin, the rebellion, uh, God's discipline of them, uh, it's just, it's a powerful story. And, and I think, like I've said multiple times, like we can locate ourselves in this, in this story. We can locate ourselves as an Israelite. We can locate ourselves as a Christian who's, who was once locked away in bondage of slavery. Mm. And, and the, the difference then is I wasn't calling out for a deliverer. I, I, I didn't want anything to do with the deliverer. Uh, the difference being God in his mercy has sent his son to die on the cross so that I might be free. Uh, that that all of those images mm-hmm. come bursting on the scene, particularly, and I love that Greg made this point, particularly as we move into the Advent season. Yeah. The Lord coming home in Exodus, at the end of the book of Exodus, is all just a picture of the coming that we are now anticipating as we move into Advent, of the coming of Christ in the fullness. Yeah. That's powerful. Yep. Yeah, and then we live in this already and not yet that Christ has already come. Uh, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And sometimes people speak of the the Shekinah glory of God, mm-hmm. which comes from that Hebrew word to dwell. Uh, the Shekinah glory is always associated with this cloud, which is like Greg pointed out, the cloud is mentioned in every verse here in the conclusion. That's the way the Old Testament speaks of the, the manifest visible expression of God's presence with his people. It happens here at the tabernacle. It happens when Solomon builds the temple and the cloud mm-hmm. fills the temple and the priests can't enter just like Moses here. But Shekinah glory refers to God's dwelling right. with his people. And so that connection, like Greg made John one, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And that's happened already. And then, you know, this time of year, as we enter Advent, we're also looking forward to in anticipation, the return of Christ. Right. He is coming again, the way Paul says it in Titus 2, which was the scripture reading yesterday, that we are waiting for the appearing of our blessed hope, the, the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, yeah. who gave himself for us to redeem us from lawlessness. I, I, it reminds me of I, one of my favorite songs that we sing is that one by, um, is it by Chris Tomlin originally? Is he worthy? Mm-hmm. Um, I, I love the, the question and answer, the affirmation expression of that song and some of those questions is there in that song uh, is all creation groaning is a new creation coming is the glory of the lord to be the light within our midst that's right it is is it good that we remind ourselves of this it is (laughs) is. and and we need to be reminded of that often and here we have an entire book that is reminding us and proving to us in history this is god's purpose uh it, the, the glory of the Lord will be the light within our midst. And then one of the verses later asks, does the father truly love us? Does the spirit move among us? Does Jesus, our Messiah hold forever those he loves? Does our God intend to dwell again with us? That's right. There it is. His dwelling with us, the, the Shekinah glory of God with his people. That's his purpose. And, and we have that. It's not like a side feature or something that's hidden until mm-hmm. the end. It, it's just from the beginning to the end of scripture, God's purpose for us. and. And then this historical reality that 
God fulfills his promise. It's, it's worth noting and, and making that distinction, though. It's like when we talk about God's presence among us, we are talking about something that's unique. Mm-hmm. We're not talking about his omnipresence, yes, yeah. his, his everywhereness, which, of course, is is who God is. It's He is all places, everywhere, right. but he, he, he also exists in places in different ways. Right. So he this dwelling with us, he, he was with the people before Exodus 40. Right. He was with the people before Exodus. He was with his people because he's everywhere. But it's in this coming of the glory of the Shekinah glory, this radiant, it's his blessed presence, his yes. his presence, his covenantal presence to bless and love and care for his people. That's what's coming. And I, I just, I was moved, I was just affected as Greg made that analogy. And his first point of the Lord comes eagerly mm-hmm. of just that, that experience you feel when, when your dad came home or mm. when your parents came home or like safe and right. everything, yeah. there's a sense of like, okay, now we're all, I know my parents always talk about this of like my, my family spread all over the U S for a while there. My sister was in Denver. My brother was in Miami. I was in Minneapolis. My parents were here. And then for a while there we were in South Carolina. My brother was in Jacksonville. My sister was in Minneapolis. We were just like, we're used to being spread out yeah. and, and a family like ours. We're used to seeing each other once a year, maybe twice a year if we're lucky. And my parents will often say like, that that day when we ante- we're anticipating all gathering together, we'll often tell the kids how many sleeps are left until we're all together. And then when we all get together, my dad, without fail, will say something like, "Okay, everybody's here." After all the traveling, after all the anticipation, everything goes safely. There's just this sense of rest. Oh, yeah. how, do, how do you say it other than it's rest? Even though you're not like when we travel, you know, you know when you travel, you're out of your right. routine. The kids aren't sleeping great, but there's a sense of when everybody gets together and you're in the same home. You're in the same room. You're around the same table. There's just a rest that takes place of like, oh, you, you know, we're all here. And, yeah. you know, that's the extrapolation, the extended, you know, as as we get older and all that stuff. But I, you and I'm sure you can remember when you're a kid, like dad came home from work and it was like, okay, there's a, secu- like you said, a security, a, a mm-hmm. safety, a, a, just a warmth. Mm-hmm. Um, and it affected me because I think, am I aware of how I come home Mm. Um, as a dad do I come home and frustrated and lump on the couch exhausted and complain about my day and about this that and the other thing and my kids who are eager to see me do I just bat them away and leave me alone while I deal with my own hard heartedness am I aware of the uh, that they are witnessing me coming home and do they experience the same affection when I come home? Mm. Um, and just to think that our Heavenly Father never comes home angry yeah. <laughs> at you or yeah. never comes home angry. Or distracted. Exactly. Or, yeah. he, 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 has, he has given his son for you. Why, why would he not? Who, who now through whom we also have peace with God and are now given this, this fellowship with him. So that really was powerful of this. Yeah. God has come eagerly anticipatory this anticipation building i'm sure you know we i preached in one week seven chapters which probably took quite a lot while a while to do to, to put all that stuff together and make all that stuff and make it all together and so there's a anticipation right. of this upcoming event and then boom it happens yeah. and uh he's there and and yeah sure there's terror because he's there's a holy god in their midst and all the rest but the god of the mountain is now right in their midst and it's not this you know, shadow brute. It's not this evil, angry thing, but rather a a blessed, warm, fatherly affection that had to have an effect. Yeah. And, and the assurance 
they could have in their hearts to know if he wanted to consume them for their sin, hmm. he could have already. Plenty of opportunity. And he didn't. Yeah. And, and so his purpose of dwelling in their midst is not to destroy them, but to bless them. Hmm. And I think even as you talk through that, you know, what it's like for a dad to come home um, and to think of God's presence with us, that he is present to bless, which hmm. is, I, I think you're right, that that's helpful to distinguish between his omnipresence. He, he is everywhere. He knows everything, but he is present with his people in a particular way to bless his people, which we experience in the new covenant in our corporate worship. Mm. So, you know, gathering together in person on the Lord's day under the preaching of God's word. Yes, God is everywhere. And I think that idea gets taken too far sometimes mm. where there's kind of a, a familiarity, like, although I really have to go to church, right. you know, like going to church doesn't make you a Christian. That's true. Going to church does not make you a Christian, but God is pleased to manifest his presence in a unique way mm. when his people gather together with each other under the authority of his word to worship him and receive from him and commune with him. God manifests himself in a powerful yeah. and distinct way there, unlike what happens anywhere else. So mm. it's not kind of this, well, I'll just, you know, go off in the woods by myself and have the same experience, the same experience yeah. or, you know, God makes his presence known that that's how he chooses to work. That, that is. Yeah. It's, it's, it's similar to like, I've often <clears throat> heard students who say, well, God loves everybody. Well, yes, he does love his creation in a, in a, in a sense, in one sense, but his love towards his people mm-hmm. is his, different. Yeah. It, it has a more potent. As a, his fatherly love versus his, his love of his crea- creatures. His created yes. love. And, and it also has effect. Like it's a love that actually brings about life and yeah. affection and, and, and all the rest. So it has a salvific efficaciousness to it mm-hmm. of <clears throat> a salvation in the midst of it of like his love toward you actually gets stuff done where right. his love for the creation is, is not in the same way. So it's possible for God to, to do the same thing in different ways, right. do stuff at the same time, but in different ways yeah. without it being a contradiction. Mm. Uh, one other point. Well, maybe we got through Greg had four. One of those stands out to me. Um, God comes faithfully mm. and that repetition of that phrase in this passage throughout all their journeys, it's such comfort throughout yeah. all their journeys. And, and the way Greg helpfully just pointed to think about what that includes their unbelief, their missteps, their wanderings throughout all their journeys. He remained with them. Um, that is a comfort to us to know mm. God is sovereign over to us. What feels like, wandering you know we can be prone to regret over our missteps and think oh how much better it would have gone if i had done this instead of that but to know he is with us he will bring us safely home Mm. we have that full assurance of the presence of god through his spirit now poured into our hearts that he will see us safely through he'll bring us to himself because he's with us all the way um that that promise of his faithfulness come what may that has an effect as well Mm. does something for all of our fears our anxiety our lack of assurance our uncertainty it 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 gives us a settled peace and joy and confidence in the twists and turns of life and that that presence that faithful presence with us is not bound to a tent of meeting that 
we that's we gather we huddle right. around as if like a fire in the cold you mm-hmm. know just trying to where it goes we have to go but rather now that that temple the curtain has been torn mm-hmm. and a new and and better tabernacle has 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 dwelt among us and we've seen his glory and has died in our place mm-hmm. on our behalf risen and ascended and then sends and pours out his spirit so that no matter where you go in all your doings that uh, that he will be with us to the very end of the age mm-hmm. Matthew 28 right. that the great commission that as he commands us you know the indicative starts all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me therefore command go make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the father so forth and behold just that that mm. that that Greek behold that just recall hold fast remember see remind yourself I am with you mm-hmm. to the very end of the age that is because there's purpose there another one of Greg's points was that his presence is purposeful right he comes purposefully uh, the Lord comes purposefully there, there is it's not a static like he just comes in his nirvana and we all just float. Mm. Um, there, there's movement. He, yeah. He's come, but he's coming for the express purpose of going. Right. I mean, if he hadn't have come in, in Exodus 40, they would have just stayed at Sinai. But that was the wrong place. They, he, in order for him to come is actually a means by which now mm. they can go he to where leads he leads them. Exactly. And, yeah. and it's in that leading, he's bringing them home, as you said. So in Christ now, it's not when we receive his spirit, it's not just like, okay, great, we've arrived. We mm-hmm. can kick our feet up. And nothing, the very fact of that great commission, authority belongs to Christ. He's with us to the end of the age. Yeah. Go. Yeah. And as you go, I'm with you. That, that's, that's helpful for me is thinking like, okay, yeah. there's work to be done. Mm-hmm. There, there's, there are, there's commands to obey. There's life to be lived. There's, there's children to be born and raised and, and, and businesses to be started and, and churches to be, to, to be planted and, start and fed. And, 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 and there are unbelievers yet to yeah. be brought into the sheepfold that that all should stir us. Mm. It should give us confidence, give us peace and should stir us then to, to actually, you know, go to work tomorrow yeah. and, you know, go home to your wife and kids and, and uh, evidence God's grace to them mm. as he eagerly, eagerly has come to us. And so I can come to my children. That's excellent. Yeah. Such a helpful paradigm for the reality. Again, the already not yet. Yeah tension that we live in Mm. he's already with us and he's bringing us home yeah to himself that's right how do we deal with that exodus gives us this this paradigm he comes he dwells in their midst and now his presence leads them Mm. through the wilderness to the place that he's prepared for them to the promised land Mm. so it's it's his presence with him and uh, i just think how uh, we've observed before the most frequent command in scripture is fear not and oftentimes along with that command the reason given is fear not for i am with you yes. so it, the presence of god is the grounds of our confidence and our mm-hmm. lack of fear in the midst of fearful things in a uncertain world and all the terrors on the on every side of us yeah. he's with us and if he's with us then who can be against us so yeah. it, it, his presence gets so much done in our hearts whatever attitudes of unbelief we're dealing with so many of them are addressed by coming back to this reality yeah. he's with us yeah he has guaranteed his presence to us david just, david just says it so well in psalm 23 of, of even though i walk through the valley of the mm-hmm. shadow of death i will fear no evil why for you are with me and not just that but your rod and your staff they bring me comfort they comfort me mm-hmm. that is all packaged around this idea yeah. of like 
even though I walk, there's a movement through really hard times, through a valley dangerous of places, deep, dark shadows. There's enemies all around me. And, and yet my confidence, not, you know, I'm, I don't think David, as he conceives of this, is like walk through a valley oblivious to the fear right. or oblivious to the dangers or just like, you know, putting his fingers in his ears, closing his eyes and just blah, blah, blah. There is a sense of like the reason he fears no evil is because there is yeah. someone with him. Mm-hmm. He, he walks not alone. He, he's with mm-hmm. a greater shepherd. Um, and that's, that's powerful. That's powerful. Yeah. And what that should do for us, what this book should do for us is engender in us confidence, gratitude, humility that mm. God would do all this epic tale is the same thing he's done for you and for me. It's all a picture of our life in Christ. Mm. It's all a picture of who we were before Christ, what Christ has done for us, and now what we are to do and what we receive. We receive fellowship with God. Um, and then to go on our way and to, to wherever we go, he goes with us to bless. Yeah. Well, this book has been powerful and rich, and, and that's not a surprise to us. I mean, mm. it's the Word of God. So, <laughs> so we don't you know, come away thinking, wow, what a surprise that we got something out of Exodus. No, th- this 15, is our- 15 months, and we were like, <laughs> we could have taken oh, yeah, five, we, five years. We, we didn't. We, we barely sped scratched through, the surface. We sped through this thing. So it just reminds me of like, you could, and I'm sure you know, there's a sense of like, yeah, get through your Bible reading plans. Get through Exodus. But there's a time to linger and to, yep. you know, take a couple weeks. And, and, and we often say, you know, read it like you plan to read it again. So that's you right. don't, you don't feel like you have to mine it for every tiny detail that's, that's right. in it every time. Otherwise you never get to the rest of scripture. But as you keep cycling through it, you're going to get more and more out of it. Yeah. And so it's yeah, like a spiral as yeah, you, right. next time you come around, you're a little bit deeper yep. and, and so forth. Yeah. Yeah. So we, we have not covered everything there is in Exodus, but I, th- I think having a picture of the whole book mm. now gives us a, a great framework, like you said, for thinking about the Christian life and the life that we have in Christ, that he has redeemed us, brought us out of slavery so that we might belong to him, mm-hmm. be his people, walk in his ways, enjoy his presence, receive his word, his glory. receive his presence. Yeah. Yes. What a book. Yes. What a book. been good. Thank you, Matt. Yeah, buddy.